0: Hello there, and welcome back to the Chat Shit, Get Fit, the fitness news, where we unpack the week's biggest news in health and fitness. I'm Bill, and as always, I'm joined by Tom.
1: Hello. Good evening. Or morning, depending where you're listening to it. it. might be morning. It might be afternoon. Could be. Could, Could be, be brunch.
0: Not really important, but anyway. <laughs> this week, we're going to take a closer look at sweets change our brain. So we've got a new paper titled Habitual Daily Intake of a Sweet and Fatty Snack Modulates Reward Processing in Humans we're then joined by a former guest in physiotherapist Hannah Murphy to discuss a paper about adherence to home exercise programs so if you've ever been given a home program by a physio why is it that so many people including maybe yourself struggle to adhere to it well we're going to we're going to answer that very question but before that we have got an update on activity trackers. Activity trackers, I should say. And so, just to let you know, guys, quick fucking rewind for some tongue twisters because we've been chatting already. For ages. we did the physio bit before. So, basically, this episode is going to be like Inception. All right, it's all over the place. It's a jumble of combination. We're just going to put it all together then. Anyway. Activity trackers, it's <laughs> done it again. You've done it done again. It. You've done, done it
1: again.
0: again. Well, well, we need to think, we need to set the rest of this podcast off. We've peaked too soon with Hannah. We peaked too soon. <coughs> right,
1: right, right. Let's have a come down. do again.
0: Bef- bef- yes. Before that, though, we've got an update on activity trackers. Some well new done. new information has come across our desks. Okay, we've got some new information on activity trackers, which we're going to get into. Oh, fucking hell. Right. Now let's get into this week's The Fitness News. <laughs>
1: Oh, that could have gone very wrong. I, I thought I went to grab a Jakemans, a lemon Jakemans for my yellow Jakemans bag right. and it's not. Because so I just looked at the pack and I was like, oh yeah, reach in, and get my Jakemans out. Uh, it's actually a pack of oh. Stanley single thread screws. <laughs> I mean, so it, that I'm could have it. gone extremely wrong.
0: That could have gone wrong.
1: There we go. My hand is now in the right bag and now I've actually got a Jakeman's.
0: Right. I'm gonna listen to you sucking on a Jakemans for the next 30 minutes
1: here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, I should have waited down. This we've led nice into our later topic.
0: Okay, guys, as we said there, we've got an update for you. Whoop update. So last week we spoke about activity trackers. We spoke about Whoop versus Apple Watch about the you know, how useful they are, how accurate they are. But a listener has sent in some information that is worth, I think, sharing. I, I, don't, I think our points we made are still relevant. Um, this is more just as like an awareness piece because um, apparently there's an app called Athletic. I think it's pronounced "athletic," okay. um, and basically, it's, it's basically a knockoff version of Whoop, but it's for Apple Watch. So you essentially download it. It costs—I think he said it costs about three pound a month. So it's significantly cheaper than the thirty pound oh, monthly Whoop. Yeah, yeah. So if you're paying three pound a month, you're basically getting a knockoff version of Whoop on an app, which will work on your. Because you got to think, Whoop only the data that the Whoop uses is just your heart rate and stuff.
1: And I'm, ironically, it's actually. It's actually on a device that's
0: you know more being shown to be more accurate yeah. than Whoop as well. Yeah, on paper, yeah, exactly. So essentially, it's just a software which makes Whoop useful because it's just using your heart rate to generate that information. So if you've got a similar sort of software for an Apple Watch, then great. I looked at some... Um, so I did a bit of digging on the app. and looked at some sort of anecdotal points on it because I still think I said our points from last week are still relevant. And um, I'll read a few out. So <laughs> this one was on... Yeah so there's a mixture of whoop and athletic Um, so this one I'll read this one out for one thing half the time he gets a hundred percent recovery score which in my opinion shouldn't even be possible and it happens on days where he feels super beat up and there's been many times where he's certain he didn't sleep well remembers being awake a lot wakes up feeling not great and the sleep data doesn't reflect that. And then I'll read out another one and we'll sort of go into it. Yeah. Uh, I've had the WHOOP for a few weeks, so I'm still figuring out what to make of all the data. But I currently wear a chest strap, heart rate monitor, and my WHOOP workouts to compare. They are vastly different, whether I'm doing cardio or kettlebells or regular weight training. WHOOP says I burn way less calories. I use a lot of wise FYI. Mm. Um, but yeah, but it kind of th- th- those little points there kind of echo what we were saying. Because um, even if athletic is the athletic, whether it's pronounced, it's the same as WHOOP. I still stand by kind of what we said about the data being obsessed with it. And it's kind of like the one thing that stood out to me there, Tom, was the app says he's got a perfect recovery score, but he feels rough. What do you go off yeah. then? Do you still send it and go for a PB because the app tells you to, or do you pull back of it because you feel rough?
1: I mean, recovery is very subjective to the individual. Yeah. And with these apps, one of my worries is, is what data are they actually using to say your dispercentage of recovered? Is it just going off of sleep? Is it going off of, you know, taking a fucking picture of you doing some form of mobility routine? Mm-hmm. You know, is it going off of a questionnaire? So, obviously, I've not actually used the app, so I can't tell you what it's actually taking it mm. from. But, you know, when we talk about recovery, like, there's so many factors that contribute to it. Mm. You know, sleep is probably one of the main ones, but there's also, you know, the perception of your DOMS as well. Yeah. Of your soreness, of your energy levels as well. So it's, there's all these things where can a fitness tracker or a device actually monitor any of this? Mm. And if it could, can it even give you an accurate reading in regards to recovery, that is?
0: Guy, if you want, obviously, to hear the full story on this in terms of the Apple Watch versus the Whoop and a bit more of our thoughts on it, go check out last week's The Fitness News. where We obviously go a bit more in detail and we look at some research papers on that. I thought it was worth mentioning this because if it is something you wanted to explore, maybe see what the data stuff's like for your own you know, your own investigation, perhaps, this is a much more affordable mm. option. If you've already got a device, you can essentially pair I think it even works things like Garmin as well. So I think this app is quite universal. Oh, okay. So I think if you've basically got a heart rate device, because it actually reminds me of the guy who uh, sent us in. He said he uses a heart rate uh, chest heart rate strap to make it more accurate. So he uses that with the app, Athletic. He doesn't just use his like, Apple Watch. He uses the actual heart rate from his chest strap, which is, you know, as we said, more accurate. So perhaps if you want to give it a go, this would be a better way to try it when you're only spending £3 a month. Because if you go to Whoop, as you said, Tom, um, we looked, it was you've got to commit to 12 months of them. And it's £30 a month, so you've got to commit to quite a lot of money. Um, and if it's shit, then you're fucked, really. Whereas with this athletic app, £3 a month-ish. Um, and, yeah, you go from there. Um, so we'll move on to the first piece of news, which is sweets change our brain. Dun, dun, dun. Sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? Sounds like you're going to smash a bag of Harry and you're going to become fucking, like, a I was or
1: just about to say, this sounds extremely incriminating for Bow.
0: Yeah, I know, you're right. We're going to get a lawsuit. <laughs> through the post <laughs> <laughs> yeah big Haribo
1: can you imagine that going to cult and the Haribo bear you know the bear that they have on the, yeah, the big bear, mascot. Yeah, yeah. you go to court and they've actually got the bear there in the suit mm. you know, <laughs> in the suit These <laughs> in any suit yeah. you know well, Yeah, you've, I don't care if you're a fucking bear or a human you've got to wear a suit to cult. they don't let you off it just because you're a you know cartoon That's funny bear. I've actually
0: been watching that um jury duty recently have you seen that
1: no <laughs> oh, I was wondering where he's going to yeah. go with it have, have you seen it
0: <laughs> so, no, watch it, mate. It's so fucking funny. I watched the first two episodes when they um everybody there's a court case, a fake court case. <laughs> there's everybody but one person is an actor. So they've got one person who's an actual genuine person, and everyone else around him is doing improv. It is the funniest fucking thing, mate. Like this guy is like got no clue, and these people are ra- it's free as well. It's on um, it's on Amazon Prime, but it's on their freebie thing, so it's free.
1: God, doing jury duty is my idea of a personal nightmare.
0: Carrying on with sweets. So we've got a research paper on sweets changing the brain. Um, we are going to go through it, and then We'll dive into our own thoughts. So here's something first from the lead researcher, Shamil Edwin, oh, Edwin Thanaraja. Okay, so That's I'll read this out. That's definitely not right. Quote. What? That's definitely not right. What Shamil Edwin Thanaraja? Can we
1: try and pronounce the second name of the second author? This is, no. No. Yeah, I can't pronounce that either. Fucking hell.
0: It's not important. We'll we're, we're talk about it. Let's talk about Th- Thanaraja first, his quote. So
1: I can pronounce Dana Small. That's nice. And the other one looks like Mark Geyser.
0: Mark Geyser. Oh, my God. These back, are some great back, names. Back to Shamil. Yeah, sorry. Or Shamil, oh, sorry, it's Shamili. Shamili Edwin. That's one name he's got. Shamili Edwin and Thanaraja. Or she. Or she. Oh, 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 I'm going to get cancelled for saying that. Oh, I see. like seriously. we can't all this out that's fine yeah i never do though right anyway so right i quote our tendency to eat high fat and high sugar foods the so-called western diet could be innate or develop as a result of being overweight but we think that the brain learns this preference so what they did to test this hypothesis the researchers gave one group of volunteers a small pudding and it contained a lot of fat and sugar and that was twice a day for eight weeks and that was in addition to their normal diet alright so they are given two puddings with high fat high sugar twice a day eight weeks on top of their normal diet the other group received a pudding that contained the same <laughs> Tom, right <trying> to... <laughs> why is that funny <laughs> sorry it's just the way you say pudding pudding this sounds so ominous
1: <laughs> These fucking authors, man. Why can't they just say dessert? Why dessert, do they say pudding? pudding? Sorry. You know?
0: Right. So the other group received a pudding that contained the same number of calories, but less fat and carbs. So obviously the protein was just higher. Um, and then the volunteers' brain activity was measured before and during the eight weeks. Um, just to so let you know, this pudding was a yogurt. So I don't know why they've... Why can't they just call it a yogurt? <laughs> pudding.
1: Pudding. Yeah,
0: fuck's sake. So... The question is then: How did the researchers see if there was a difference? You know, what what was the difference between the two desserts? Well, there was two kind of ways they did this. The first was more of a subjective test, I'd say, because what they did is they created two sets of stimuli, um, and they varied in fat and sugar content. So for the fat one, they got four puddings with varying fat content. They were naught percent, three point one percent. and 15.6% with milk or cream of varying fat content Um, and the sugar content in this one was kept constant between the stimuli right it was just the fat that was changing and then for the sugar stimulus they got unsweetened apple juice and they mixed that with sucrose uh, and that was yeah there was different concentrations like zero mil 0.1 0.56 and one Mm. Um, I'm not sure the actual measurement there. Basically, it was a different, it was increasing amounts of that uh, sucrose, yeah. And then what they did was ratings were conducted in two blocks. So what they did, they got pudding or juice variations um, and then they counterbalanced it, well, counterbalanced the order across testing days and participants. So basically, it was all fucking chaos. They just went all over the place with these things, right? Um, And then within each block, concentrations were presented three times each. So a total of 12 in random order. They're basically just trying to see their reaction. Obviously we'll leave the paper down below if you want to get like balls deep into it. They were just trying to it said it was subjective because they wanted to see how they reacted, what their preferences were, basically. Um, because they didn't know what they were, obviously, but they were trying to see what their preference would be. It's important to note though that these were the participants were in a fasted state before all of this. Um, and they, they, there were ways of them telling telling this. They went through some sort of procedure to see if they were actually fasted. And something I found mm. quite funny was one of the subjects had their data <laughs> binned off, basically. They excluded their data because they weren't fasted. <laughs> and so they so fucked it off.
1: <laughs> they were happy to eat their pudding.
0: Yeah, they smashed it like, oh, that was great, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they weren't willing to fast, absolutely. Yeah, so that was another... <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first thing they did, right? So pretty more of a subjective test, you could say. But then there was a fMRI test. So that was looking at the brain activity. Yeah. So on this one, uh, before the task, it's quite important actually, so before the task, each subject had to choose a tasteless solution, which was a control condition, and then two milkshakes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just laughing because there's an image. There's an image of this.
1: <laughs> I know. Where do I begin with this? So there's, there's a, a couple of... That. There's a lot of childish things going on with us reading this study that has given us the giggles. Yeah. But the main one is they've given a great diagram here yeah. of, the subject, of the subject mi- yeah. drinking <laughs> a milkshake. And it is the most cartoony milk. Like In, in yeah. the diagram, you just draw a little stick man drinking <laughs> a quick clip art image that resembles a glass. But yeah. with this, they found the most the most fruity looking milkshake they could find. So it's like a proper Coke float glass. Yeah. It's got the cream on top. It's a little cherry. It's got a cherry with the
0: a, stem. It's like going up his the, nose. The, the
1: red and white, stripy straw. It's like just such a And you see the eyes look little, like
0: some the eyes look like they're on crack.
1: It looks like most of the funding for this study has gone towards this one picture of a milkshake. <laughs> yeah, they spent the entire budget <laughs> yeah. of the study on the diagram. It was like I, I have a feeling this this paper got sent back five times because they couldn't find the correct clip art
0: of a milkshake. The colour of the cherry just wasn't right. The shade of red. Just, just wasn't, wasn't right. The and then
1: eventually they found this really cartoon-looking one. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what I'm laughing, but it's just funny to see it in a research paper. I'm supposed to be serious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so basically, yeah. So if we go back to the milkshakes, um, what happened was the participants they repeatedly received either this milkshake or the Tato solution in a randomized order. So that was continuous throughout the time. They just basically just kept giving different ones. Here's a milkshake. Here's tasteless. Blah blah blah. Okay.
1: I mean, did they really have to put the cherry on top? <laughs> <laughs> He's still going about this. I mean, I'm so, I'm still looking at this diagram. It's just so yeah. There's no need for bizarre. the cherry.
0: Wait, the thing is, I guarantee there wasn't a cherry in the actual study. You know what I mean? When they were given the milkshake, it wasn't obviously. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like a cream on top. If it's supposed to be, if they're supposed to be random, it'd be pretty obvious if you were given like a tasteless vine or something, and then.
1: But what's giving me a giggle is like, um, there's another little diagram at the bottom there showing kind of like, a, you know. Showing kind of like a, a timeline of like the blood being drawn, you know, like uh, d- 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 being my way, and it's all very normal yeah, yeah. clip art. Yeah, normal You know, yeah. then suddenly, oh, the milkshakes involved now. Let's go with fucking. <laughs> let's go fucking. Avengers right. level threat as right. possible with it.
0: Like, yeah. so, right, get out the crayons, lads. Let's <laughs> fucking go. Yeah, get- yeah. Let's go. <laughs> do you reckon I had like uh, an intern or something? I like could intern at the uh, in the lab. <laughs> and they said, right, God, He's had to draw for a for picture. Giggle. Yeah, they like, draw us a picture, give us your best impression of free milkshakes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, what's the first thing that comes to your head when you think of milkshake? Fuck yeah, it's it's like an eight-year-old's, like, image of, like, what a milkshake is.
0: I'll bang this on Instagram, guys. If I forget, someone DM me. Someone just DM the Instagram, podcast uh, Instagram. But um, I'll try and put on the story so you've got context for this, because I'm fully aware it's an audio podcast, and um, you can't see (laughs) it. Fucking the, the craziness of this picture, but I will put it on the story. Right. So, um, if we if we fast forward to um, what basically happened, uh, and, I'll, and I'll quote this. So, using an interventional study in healthy, normal weight participants, we demonstrate that independent of body weight gain and alterations in metabolic markers, exposure to high fat, high sugar food reduces preferences for low fat food. Basically, what they're trying to say is during the study period, the subjects did not gain any more weight. And the subjects in the control yeah. and their blood values, such as you know, blood sugar, cholesterol, they didn't change as well, which is really interesting. Okay, mm. so the difference between the groups there, there was no change, right? So what they do say about that though is, while health markers were not affected, they think that the effects are carrying afterwards when things are less controlled. So if you've already got this preference of like high fat, yeah. high sugar foods, if you then carry that on for a long, if you've habitually built up smashing it all the time, if you then do it for a long term. Perhaps then your health will decline.
1: Things outside of the, of the control of the study, where like obviously yeah. your calories are no longer being accounted for, so like things that may happen long term where you're not being monitored, where
0: well, you can get a bit more rogue, basically, yeah. yeah. And then they obviously are saying this is down to the brain's reward centre, right? So we're looking at dopamine again. So if you cast your minds back to our yeah. chat about nicotine and stuff like that with dopamine, this is what they're trying to say is to do with the dopamine in the brain, right? Um and it's essentially echoing previous rodent research. I've done the things on rats and stuff before, and obviously if we yeah. said it's always better to do it on humans. So that's that's uh that's obviously yeah. there. There is some limitations though, which I do want to quickly mention because it's always important. You know, very rare you'll find a perfect uh, research paper. So uh, participants were required to have a healthy BMI and to rate the milkshake and yogurt at, at least moderately wanted, right? So me explain what that means. I mean,
1: why uh, a milkshake this, this paper,
0: as well? It's just so bizarre. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so basically obviously Two things I mention there is a healthy BMI. So they were basically choosing people who wouldn't be classed as, you know, overweight or obese. Um, we won't get into bmi again um, and then to rate the milkshake and yogurt as at least moderately wanted basically that means is they didn't get people in the study who fucking hate milkshake right if you were to, if they were to ask you you be in this paper and you went i oh, fucking can't stand milkshake or yogurt they weren't going to use them right so they had to at least show some moderate desire to want to get their lips around a straw <laughs> basically yeah it's the, uh, the way they wanted nice. to do it right so that was one limitation um, another one as well is it's is possible that the different effects might be observed in individuals who are under so there's obviously people underweight as well or overweight and obese um, or in individuals who didn't want to eat those food items right as I've, already, as I've already said also it is also possible that results might not generalize to other snack foods or to different lengths of intervention so if we go back to milkshakes obviously this you, obviously this paper is applying to milkshakes yogurts things like that and uh, if we looked at other snacks so i don't know cookies donuts it might not apply you, you, you might assume it would apply to all high sugar high fat but obviously we know that's not the case we can't just um do a broad brush, right? It's not how things work. Um, so, I mean, the paper itself is pretty good. I think it's quite interesting. Um, we, I mean, we had a talk about this off-air, didn't we, Tom, saying about how, you know, fucking surprise, surprise, once again, someone telling us that we as humans love to have high-fat, high-sugar foods. But what we liked was the fact that they showed the correlation between calories and the high-fat and high-sugar so, they, they, they stressed yeah. the importance of the calories were controlled. So, hence why there was not, over that eight week period, there wasn't any dramatic changes, basically saying that sugar and fat is not the devil. But they also stressed that it was high fat and yeah. high sugar because sometimes it's just sugar, isn't it? That gets fucking absolutely bombarded with yeah, hate. Yeah, precisely that. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, just to, I'm I'm just going to repeat it for the sake of impact here, but exactly what you said here this was something that included high fat as well as high sugar. Mm-hmm. But usually you get that, oh, oh what's that saying? You know, oh, sugar is as addictive as cocaine, mm-hmm. etc but it's like, well, you know, it's actually a combination of both. Who's really addicted to sugar in isolation? Yeah, exactly. Usually it's a combination of highly palatable food. Nobody smashes table. Which by the way, believe it or not, guess what's going to happen to your brain when you do something that you really like?
0: It's going to remember it. Yeah, it's, it's going, going to it to, it's going to remember exactly. that. You, like that, yeah.
1: to remember that yeah. you know, you're going to trigger off that enjoyment. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to want to have more as well. That's
0: why we go back and do things over and over again. Watch the same films. Watch the, go to the same theme parks, do the same rides. And
1: I wouldn't necessarily say that like high-fat, high-sugar foods are necessarily. Well, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to say all oh, they're addictive like drugs. You know what I mean? You know, but they are highly palatable, and it's also low effort as well. It's a low effort reward. So what I mean by that is, okay, exercise is rewarding, yes, but it's high effort to go and do exercise. Mm-hmm. Like if you're having a stressful day, you know. And there's a Krispy Kreme donut box in the office oh, that, yeah. you know, some fucker has gone left behind. It's a quick reward, isn't it? Mm. It's a low effort reward. That quick dopamine hit, mm. bosh.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, yeah, as you said, like, to say that it's as addictive as things like cocaine and stuff is, I think, is a bit of a stretch. Because yeah. if we look to the paper where well, you become if, dependent. Well, if that was the case, mate, the people having the the. the the two puddings a day, the two puddings as they call it, yeah, a day of the high fat, high sugar, they would have probably had a difference in weight and metabolic markers because if they were addicted that much like cocaine, they'd have been smashing extra. They wouldn't have been able to stop it two. They'd have been like, after a few weeks, gone, oh fuck, I need more. And they would have just kept eating and eating and eating. But it, that didn't happen.
1: I don't know anyone has ever offered to suck someone's dick for a Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I was about that comparison. I mean, maybe yeah. they
0: are out there. I yeah, don't maybe they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, like- yeah, yeah. Go on, bite a bag of tastics mate. <laughs> yeah
1: uh, yeah exactly there you go <laughs> or one of those haribos where you could get the rin and stretch it out oh, <laughs> yeah. over the top there you go one Wait, I'm going to
0: make you work for that but, fucking sweet <laughs> but my
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but for fucking hell wow what an image oh. um, but no my, my fair part of this study is as I said uh, is definitely the diagram of the milkshake <laughs> yeah. I still can't get over that absolutely brilliant, it? Um, I might get it as a printout for my uh, office yeah looks like,
0: um, It's uh, if we can if we get back to a more serious note, obviously, like we spoke about dopamine, okay? So if we look on the extreme side of things, we'll look at this more anecdotally now, if you make that clear. So we're not, we're sort of stepping away from the paper a little bit. But when we look at people who go to eat these highly palatable, high sugar, high fat foods, it can be, it can be more than just, oh, it tastes nice. If we look at people who maybe stress eat emotional eating it's that quick dopamine hit as we've said right so it's not necessarily saying that it's addictive in the sense of oh you're going to keep wanting to smash at loads and loads you're going to automatically be fucked we're in a western diet we're absolutely smashed it's the fact that it gives you that quick dopamine hit and mm. it gets people wanted to eat more like, i'm sure we've all been there like the whole thing of sometimes a rough day at work what do they do order a Domino's. Smash a smash a tub of Ben & Jerry's. Makes yeah. it feel good for that little, you know, that five minutes, whatever.
1: The thing as well, it doesn't help that we do live in an environment that does promote, mm-hmm. you know, yeah uh, hyper-convenient, you know, hyper-delicious, convenient foods.
0: I've been seeing a lot as well about ultra-processed foods as well on the news recently, which we've not talking about this week, but yeah, there's been a lot of, like, bashing its It's everywhere. And it's like, yeah, the, the key, the kind of conclusion to all of this really is obviously moderation, without a doubt goes with any sort of food, we're not saying these things are bad, like you can't smash loads and loads, but what they're trying to say is, is that if you have it consistently, your brain, you're, you're more, it's, I look at it actually, if, I, if we go talk about a behaviour change, which we, we are going to talk about later with Hannah and stuff quite a lot, if you start habitually smashing these foods or you associate it with something, if I give you an example, people will associate having certain things with certain occasions, okay? So if, let's say you you have a curry every Friday If you have beer with that curry every Friday, it becomes part of your routine. You might not be addicted to beer, but because it's become an habitual thing for you, your behaviour is that every time you have a curry, you have a beer. Or let's say there's a certain TV programme you watch every single night. Let's say you've got a behaviour of, well, every time I watch this programme, I like to smash, I don't know, a bag of Pringles, a box of Pringles, whatever, a tube of Pringles. That's become, if you do that every single time you watch it, it's become habitual that every time you watch that programme, you've got it hardwired into your head that you have this box of Pringles. Does that make sense?
1: Mate, funny enough, um, I was having this exact conversation with a client this morning enough, where we was talking about behaviour change and where, like, um, well, I wasn't talking to him about behaviour change, but we was talking about one of his behaviours he'd kind of changed. And um, same kind of thing, like, he found out that... He came to realise that a lot of the chocolate he was having was just simply due to habit. Habit,
0: yeah, yeah. Hmm.
1: He noticed that he was having it around the same times, in the same kind of location, you know, and the same events would lead up to him having it. And eventually, when he kind of became self-aware of that, he kind of realised, actually, I don't really want the chocolate it's just me
0: Habit. grabbing it because that's Creatures what i usually do at this time yeah yeah exactly that. exactly. yeah so what kind of say is that it's like it's not always don't think of it as always oh, it's addictive all oh, this dopamine i'm having a you have a bag of haribo and your brain's automatically re- rewired to have it all the time for example like in this case they were having two puddings twice <laughs> you know they're having two puddings a day every day for eight weeks right the brain get, obviously, the brain's get used to it. Obviously, the activity's going to be different because we still like sweet things regardless. There's obviously always going to be a change in the brain activity in terms of reward when we have a sweet thing because our body likes it. We like sweet treats, don't we? Yeah. So, obviously, there's going to be a difference no, there. of course. doesn't mean you're going to continuously smash them. Um, as you said, It's more. I think it's more of an habitual thing as opposed to, oh, I'm addicted to fucking <laughs> milkshakes with cherries on top. <laughs>
1: yeah. To be fair, they did make that milkshake look very succulent.
0: Absolutely. Um, If we strip this back actually as well, stepping away from behaviour changes, something we've spoken about before is taste buds adapting. I think when we spoke about salt uh, quite a while ago, we said people, if you use loads of salt all the time, when you have foods without it, becomes more bland even if before it wasn't bland but because you've been continuously adding salt to stuff your taste buds have adapted to that level of saltiness same with sweetness with this if you get used to having lots of sweet stuff whenever you have something that's not so sweet it tastes more bland than usual which means that your brain's gonna be like well i don't fucking like this because we want to have that dopamine hit so that could be another thing with it as well if you have lots and lots so if i go back to what i said a second ago conclusion really is moderation is key do you need two puddings a day I don't know. Do you
1: need 10 milkshakes a day? <laughs> Sounds good though. You know. <laughs> I mean, oh, if it milkshake. looks like
0: the milkshake in this diagram, easily doable. Oh, man, I'm fucking devastated. Speaking of milkshakes, you know that vegan place near me? Resist? Yeah. Fucking doing, doing a new milkshake this weekend, but I'm down home back in London this weekend. So I'm going to miss oh, out on are the fucking. I'm going to miss out on this milkshake.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You can always be there for next time for a pudding instead.
0: <laughs> pudding, yeah, no, we'll kick off. What I might do is I might get... Stop my, out my, for a pudding. I'm going to drop a message and see if they can get a milkshake on the side for me. Pop in next week. <laughs> Love milkshakes.
1: Oh. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm still looking at this diagram. I've actually got it uh, in the corner of my monitor. Can't <laughs> stop gonna be, It's mesmerising. Is it going to be
0: your new wallpaper? <laughs>
1: it is going to be my my new avatar, I think, on all my social media platforms.
0: <laughs> the milkshake or the, the person having the milkshake? <laughs>
1: i'll get the head in as well the heads a part of it to be fair he's got those wide open eyes like you know just to reiterate that he's getting that you know high sugar intake
0: okay guys before we move on to the next and final piece of news where we are joined by uh hannah murphy we are going to do that. Is definitely her name, isn't it? I know it's Hannah. It's Hannah definitely Hannah Murphy. Murphy. It's definitely Hannah Murphy. Yeah. 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 The yeah, Murph. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's to double check, mate. No, was it? Sorry, it's the Coventry yeah. Strangler. Now, isn't it? As you call her, the Coventry Strangler. Yeah. <laughs> Coventry Strangler. <laughs> People have no concept that. Shouldn't be calling it that, but yeah. Yeah. Just, just. FYI, guys, we've not got a you know a strangling mass murderer on our podcast. Okay, she does jiu jitsu, yeah. which does involve hand to hand combat. Right, <laughs> and, she's, and she lives in Coventry
1: <laughs> Hannah de Murph Murphy there you go
0: <laughs> Hannah de Murph Murphy aka the, the Coventry Strangler yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway moving on Patreons hello How are sorry you? Hannah thank you th- th- thank you for your support it was good to say hello to you guys um, hope you're doing all well of course everyone who's listening who's not a member of the society or you know patreon as it actually is officially called um maybe go check it out see what's all about because this episode will actually have quite a few behind the scenes because we've had a lot of shit <laughs> a lot of shit talk and um obviously we had a bit of fun with hannah as well uh, nothing to do with strangling though so don't get too excited not that <laughs> no. sort of not that sort of content there go check it out um, if you've not already had a look at it the link is always down in the show notes of the podcast podcast normally goes in there early depending obviously on numerous factors Um, but there is always going to be some behind the scene video content i say behind the scenes sometimes it's just when me and tom talk a bit longer so it's essentially a mini podcast basically it's a mini video podcast that goes in there every week so if you're liking this content and you want more content and you want to see our fucking mugs talking about it it's a great place to go and you get the warm fuzzy feeling of knowing that we know your name because when you sign up, obviously, we see your name. We send you a message. Mm. Um, and then every single week, when we do this that little shout-out... sounds shout more out, like a fret, but yeah. Does, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> every single week, when we do this little shout-out, we think of your names. Like, in my head right now, I'm thinking of all their names, Tom. You think, do you know all their names? Do you, do you know all the names of the patrons?
1: I'm going for a sneezing fit at the moment. No. <laughs> 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 so,
0: you, this you asked me that just as I'm sneezing my brains out. God, bang this on <laughs> Patreon as well. There you go, guys. I'll get this on the content. Um God, Do you know all their names, Tom? I know all their names off the top of your head. Go on. Yeah, there's, um... Dave no you've got that, all that's these... bullshit because every, everyone knows a Dave everyone Come knows on. a Dave now I'm pretty sure we've we got a Dave I don't think we actually do have a Dave we normally only call out the, we normally only call out the um the producers Jenny and Clean but I'll rattle through some I'll rattle through them because I think it's quite good to everyone obviously Jenny Clean there we've also got Big Pete he's been around for a long time he's one of the veterans of the uh, you- funny enough he's actually in the army as well but he's uh, one of the veterans of the society um we've got Big Sam we've got Lily speak to her quite a bit. She's, uh, she's always good to chat to. And this one, I'm not sure this is. Someone called Fizzies. Very covert. Fizzies? That is covert. Fizz- yeah, yeah, Fizzies, yeah. Uh, I don't anyone... want to laugh because if that's her actual name, then I feel, I feel like I'm insulting them. Is is my mum not on there? Is your mum not on there? Why do you
1: always joke? Wow. Your mum would never be on there. Yeah. She She promised me that she was doing it.
0: Can't believe she'd lie to me. Yeah, to be fair, I said this to my mum as much, well, I said a little fucker. She signed up she signed up to someone else's Patreon, I'm sure. I think my mum actually said she signed up to some other podcast patron. says, well, you've signed up to some other fuckers, but not your own. but your own child's <laughs> Patreon, honestly. Disgraceful.
1: She's paid her way for you, Bill. She's done enough for you. <laughs> that's motivating. That's that that's that uh, Sigma male grind set, you know. Paying the competition motivates you more.
0: Thanks to all you guys there. I don't think I missed anyone. If I did miss you out, I do apologise. Send me a DM of abuse and I'll I'll take it for that negligence. Uh, but yeah, if you want to join those guys, obviously link... Just cover your bases and just say Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Thanks, Dave. But yeah, yeah, check out the show notes and uh, get stuck in, please. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Okay, guys, so we're going to move on to the next piece of news and we are joined by a guest as we unpack a research paper... Called "Understanding Barriers to Adherence to Home Exercise Programs in Patients with Musculoskeletal Neck Pain." Hannah, welcome back. I should say to the Hello. podcast. Oh my god, how Hello. exciting! How it's been a while. It has been a while. It, it has been a while. Been a while.
2: Was
0: well, when was been it? A when very did long actually come time. On? What, what, what year was it?
2: <laughs> twenty twenty one.
0: Yeah,
1: I think I'd it was. Say. when was the Titanic wreckage discovered? <laughs> 1912. Around that <laughs> time.
2: <laughs> no, that's when it crashed. But
1: if that is true, if that is true, I'm Googling that right yeah, that's now. Right, right, I Titanic.
2: That's when it crashed.
1: Jesus Christ, that's a weird to get you on like what's one of those game shows, the chase or <laughs> chase. something like that.
2: I win yeah. all the quizzes.
1: Mastermind, Titanic. <laughs>
2: let's, useless information. Let's chin the
1: podcast off. Yeah. <laughs> get Hannah on who wants to be a millionaire or whatever's going around at the moment
0: well I'm going to assume that a lot has changed since then Hannah back in 1912 it, a lot a lot. it has changed,
2: changed. it yeah. has a lot a lot of just just changed hope
0: so. <laughs> but the one thing that is still constant you're still in the world of physiotherapy aren't you
2: yeah I actually so much has changed I've done started a new master's in health psychology Sacked that off I went back to the original plan which was the master's in physio so Done a bit of a three three 180. This one, of
0: something. something to do with degrees. Yeah, How, how's that been going? Because I know there'll be some people listening who might be you know interested in the the world of masters. Because people always associate it with like very high education talks. For, from, from I've seen on Instagram stories, it seems like it's been hard work.
2: It has been awful. It oh, has God. been <laughs> like right. it. Like I did my undergrad, worked full time on the side. Really, masters. like can. I think since uh, the COVID pandemic. A lot of universities have um, realised they don't have to teach in person as much. That we can do a lot more online. However, um, unfortunately, a lot, a lot is online. So you've got your self-directed learning that comes with doing a master's, and then you've got all these. You've got your cat on your lap, and you're trying to learn about all sorts. So it's the dynamic in the way it's been quite interesting. But we're moving.
0: How long is it? Did you say 18 months, is that right? Or you eighteen? It's
2: two years full time. So rather than like the standard academic year of September to April, it's pretty much January to January. So two two years, yeah.
0: Oh well. Very exciting. Bloody yeah. Very exciting. And that's why we got you on. That's why we've got you on, Hannah. Hey.
1: Suddenly my my weekend PT <laughs> call personal training doesn't seem as uh it's crazy.
2: strenuous as i originally thought i, I read i read a, i was reading an article earlier uh about how um personal trainers should be uh, implemented shot no no uh, more like sports professionals uh should be with exercise rehab but um patients don't trust them enough yeah i can't blame
1: can't them yeah. Yeah, i can't say i'm them to be honest it, with it, you
2: it tickled me
0: I'm not surprised i don't, like, I'm surprised I don't trust them. But I won't trust them to teach me a bicep curl. Half of them, fucking hell! <laughs> I know.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, this podcast is basically just full of self-loathing personal trainers. So we're allowed to say yeah, it. We yeah. hate them all. Mm. We're just saying what everyone else is thinking. Yeah. Including personal trainers.
0: Yeah. Fucking personal trainers. They ruined personal training. I know, right? Do they hate physios though? That's the question. That's what we need. To, that's what we need to unpack. Do they Oh, hate yeah. Physios? Oh, Well, I think so. according to the stats, we're going to go into. Hannah. I mean. A non-adherence of these programs of seventy percent. Is that that could be a personal attack? That could be able to fuck them off. I don't like him. Fuck the physio. I'm going to rod off wow, well the Wow, I've
2: got. I'm going to implement a little bit of health psychology into this podcast Ooh. because it, it's Ooh. a very wide scope to talk about. One that we probably can't fit into a single session. But um, yes, it's massive. There is
0: no, there's no time limits here, Hannah. We'll we'll keep going if we're weeks on it. I've, a week, got, <laughs> oh, I've well. drawn
2: you a very nice diagram.
0: <gasps> we've got a diagram. Got a diag- oh my! Look at that.
1: It's a stick man.
0: Oh, I feel like you need to send me a picture. Bill, of that, we need to get that. Need- if
1: that can get sent, that that'll make a sick little TikTok. Yeah, there, would. Yeah,
0: send me that. Send me a picture of that, and I'll get that fired over. I can do like a green. It's I can green five screen five in dimensions. front
1: of it. Oh yeah,
2: that that's that should go in a journal. That could journal. be like, <laughs> labeled as a figure. We, we've
1: never had someone actually make a diagram for the podcast. Oh, I've got, I've got got that's something I've new. Got
2: a <laughs> mind map. Yeah.
0: Jesus Christ! Oh Jesus! Oh, i have got
2: it all. I well, let's get straight into
0: it. I feel like Maybe we should release this as a PDF. A PDF. <laughs> what the podcast a PDF transcript. <laughs> no, that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's
2: technology. Strictly pen and paper here. Strictly pen the, paper, uh, yeah. I feel like Bill could.
0: I could definitely. Lay it yeah. into a PDF I'm oh, uh, um, yeah. pen
2: and paper. Yeah.
0: Yeah, fight over. I love, I'll give you. A, you have a whole book. You know, you know, <laughs> it'd be great. Literally, I would. I would write a book by hand. I think I can't deal with the laptops. Right, I feel like we need to we need to dive into this, Hannah because we've got lots to talk about by the looks of it. So yep. we'll
2: give Let's you some background
0: go. we'll give you some background on this paper then. So it's a common it's commonplace. I mean obviously I'm sure you'll agree, Hannah, it's common that home exercise programmes or HEPs are a common prescription in physical therapy, you could say. But if we look at this paper, they're basically suggesting adherence is very poor with non-adherence, as I've already said, to high at 70%. Um, and then they go on to say that, that could uh, negatively impact outcomes. So you sent this over to Tom, which is then why we got in touch. We're like, let's get you on. Let's get you on to talk about this. It sounds very exciting. So, I mean, what stood out to you in this paper when you first saw it? What made you think, okay, let's look at this? What were sort of key takeaways?
2: It was interesting. Um, It obviously touches on the realms. It's a newer paper as well, so it touches on the realms of non-adherence and more from a psychological aspect of reasons why. It doesn't go too deep within that, but um, it basically talks about patients' perceptions of past experiences and a couple of barriers. I feel like it was quite narrow in the mm. uh, barriers, but obviously um, it's not the most robust and it's not like a systematic review. So it it's just identifying a couple of barriers and taking some qualitative data from patients and physios to kind of see what impact these factors have on adherence which i think is previous experiences um pain and beliefs basically
0: i think the one thing that stuck to me was that the, the management of expectations i think that seems quite important i think a lot of people they expect especially because you said their beliefs is you give them a few bird dogs um, and they'll be like right as about yeah. like two days like you know i mean that they're back in the game
2: yeah. And actually, um the expectations there's a big drop off of the more um the longer the duration of the rehab or the longer the duration of the exercise um plan, um you get a higher drop-off because especially in terms of chronicity, so these problems may have been there for a long time. Um we're expecting quicker results and pain is complex. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not going to be like, yeah, here's your diaphragmatic breathing. And like you said, some bird dogs, the McKenzie method and everything goes away where it's very multifactorial and exercise implementation is just a single factor going into patient management or rehab management, Should we say.
0: 70% seems like quite a high number, doesn't it? So I mean, what what would you? Yeah. What, what's your experience with that been then Have you? Because is it is it easy to identify if they've been basically chinning it off? Or is it pretty obvious if they've just been mugging off the the home program?
2: Um, I, I think it's similarly to it's similar to some personal training data mm. we get. You know, um, people logging food intake. You know, obviously, like I didn't really go down that route. But you know what we look at um, weight loss data and something gets in the way it's human variability so it's not necessarily any anyone's problem but you may have patients or we may have people players uh one week and they're really able to hit those goals and then the next week something may have happened it could be a busier time schedule it could be stress it could be social events and there's so many and this all comes into the broad topic of adherence um so it's not necessarily anyone sacking it off. It's so wide. It's so. It's it's really difficult to kind of see what the reason was for the not non-completion, shall we say?
0: Well, how how would you say you manage it then? So if you were to like say if you were to have like a patient or something, what what would be your sort of steps to managing that?
2: So I go after preferences. Uh, Mm. it depends based on who is again it's similar to certain things you can get in within personal training but so it's the preferences the exercise the kind of person that you're dealing with uh we have like a shared decision making model in in the nhs that we're coming up with a solution to this together rather than I'm telling you what to do. So what is the barriers? I was actually re- reading in an article, which I've not touched on since I started uh, started and dropped off health psychology. And it's about the combi model. And that is a behavioral... Because what we're looking at with exercise adherence and adherence is behavior change.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, mm-hmm. And this was looking at, does this person have the capability, the opportunity and the motivation to change behavior? So the capability can come into physical and psychological factors. Opportunity is social and psychological factors. And motivation is automatic and reflective. So if they've not completed it, if we can identify which part of that was, we're then going to probably have a higher possibility of them completing it. So if the barrier was motivation, could we work on some Techniques to increase that. If it's psychological, mm. is there a referral pathway we can do to help with that? That will increase adherence because obviously, as well, when we talk about mental health issues, they really affect adherence. And mm. depression is a big modifier of behaviour.
0: To me, it just highlights the importance of communication skills as well. Like from a clinical point of view, communication. yeah. So I feel like a lot it's of people so struggle key. with that in this industry like community, even like physio world PT world I think you get some people like they might know all the stuff they might you know be really good at getting the information but if you can't communicate well with your client or you know the person who's in the clinic your patient then I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of things you were talking about there which if you don't have good communication skills you know, it'd be a nightmare trying to navigate that you'd have no idea what. <laughs> uh,
2: it all comes full circle so another barrier to adherence can be the therapeutic relationship which mm. is between that of myself and the person I'm working with so if there's something not right there that can also decrease it the trust in the provider given this information can also affect adherence and it all comes down to then we're going like I said coming down into communication which is a completely another ball game <laughs> and um but as well you've got very short even in the personal training industry it's we spend maybe 45 minutes to an hour with people What I used to do as a personal trainer was if I identified that there was something deeper going on during the session, I would take my clients off to a consultation room and would work on those things. Because if there was a bigger barrier to them doing everything, they need that time working on those barriers rather than just doing something that they can do unsupervised, such as bicep curls. (laughs) Yeah,
0: sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Have you German
2: um, volume bicep curls?
0: Oh, German volume bicep, <laughs> Don't trigger Tom. All
2: my clients get that. It's <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: just to think about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, you mentioned about like the relationship with the so like the, the the patient and the clinician. Have you ever had that in your time you've been on place or anything? Have you ever had that a situation where you've had to potentially move a patient to someone else because the relationship just wasn't there and it just wasn't working? There's never had that. Never happened before.
2: No. Um, not really, no. Um, you know, has it ever
0: happened? Do you know, if it ever, has it ever happened to anyone you know?
2: I don't think so. Um, this, the, this has just been off my experiences in placement. No, you just shit on you, Hannah. I've never had top it. Notch, yeah.
0: Top-notch physio. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know. <laughs> it is, it, We're all, as well. Communication and relationships are adaptable as well. So there's always ways that, if, as a professional, we're there to develop that relationship. And if we're not creating it, or it's so bad that we need to move. That would say more of us than anything.
0: So if I was to say, what do you think we need to do? Because there'll be people listening for sure, definitely, you know, I can 100% guarantee it that they've probably seen physio at some point or know someone who's seen physio and been given some sort of programme to do in their own time in the gym. I know a lot of our military listeners will know that. You're given a rehab programme to sort of do in the corner of the gym when everyone else is doing normal activity. What What can we do better as like an entire industry, if you will, to improve that adherence statistic and just get people doing these home exercise programs
2: I think it will you're gonna hate it it, depends. Yeah, course, um, yeah. it that's our, depends that's our slogan Hannah <laughs> there's actually there's actually different data for different populations as well mm. so um, mm. generally they say they don't really prescribe more than four exercises to increase adherence but I was reading and in sporting populations they like variety they like more exercises and what it all comes down to is we know that the most complex exercise, just doing exercise in some people or will increase, um, will improve health outcomes, will increase adherence. So it all comes down to looking at everybody as an individual. What are the barriers? What is stopping this person doing this? Are there dif- different pathways of referrals that we can identify and start treating the other barriers and it's searching a bit deeper rather than they just didn't complete the exercise well why didn't they so it's again building that rapport having that trust developing that relationship and identifying what's going on because I've I've had rehab plans myself and it depends on my belief in is it going to work and obviously I'm a highly motivated person I'm not necessarily the population we're going to talk about is it going to work do i trust this person giving me the information do i think this is the right information have i been educated about this have i been shown what to do so there's so many factors so decreasing miscommunication being you know guiding people providing feedback has been shown to really increase adherence um offering support patients or populations who are having rehab really it is a massive facilitator the feelings of being supported by the clinician so it's being being nice as well as well a lot of education comes into it so um if pain's the barrier obviously it 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 will be um for some people is graded exposure graded exposure into that barrier and also education about pain but it varies from person to person and if I was to explain pain to someone who doesn't trust me and explain like you know these exercises are okay to be painful they're not going to believe me and that that's going to have a negative effect and that's going to be classed as a failed treatment which then will possibly influence future treatments
0: mm. That's interesting isn't it yeah because we obviously we talk about pain a lot on this don't we but you're right If you have, if you've met someone new and you try and tell them that that pain's fine, you know. We you know we, we want to play with it, we want to flow that pain. they're almost like, well, well, I don't want to be in pain. Why are you making me tell me to go into pain for? Why are you telling me to? Yeah. you know, it's just it's interesting. Or well,
1: they assume that you're thinking, oh, this person thinks it's all in my
0: head. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. So it's that communication and it's explaining as well. So we say that we should exercise into pain to decrease sense ner- nervous es- uh, system sensitivity to start calming things down to get used to it but again this is all water over a duck's back or whatever that saying is yeah. if they don't <laughs> trust me believe in me or think it's the appropriate treatment for them that's another thing influence another thing Influenced. influence adhering.
0: you mentioned trust a few times i think because i can't remember the exact paper but it came up um recently it's about the I think Tom knows from the YouTube one. I think it was. He was talking about the basically the level of the level of physiotherapy out there. So obviously you're saying about trust, whether or not you trust a um, you know if you're in the clinic you see a physio. If you trust them, you're more likely to adhere to it, aren't you? Or if you've had bad past experiences because you were given bad care, that's going to have a knock-on to effect. The next time you get care, isn't it? you to be like, well it didn't work yeah. last time, will work now? So the paper that came up was I forgot what was Tom jumping. If you remember, it was about YouTube. Oh, it wasn't was it was saying- off the
1: top of my head? Yeah, it was like a vast majority of. Advice given on YouTube for physiotherapy, like in it was regards wrong. to injury rehabilitation, was wrong. It's <laughs> yeah. no surprise, yeah. you know. But but considering like how YouTube can easily target mm. the uh, the masses, and um, bear in mind we see this in things like social media comments, people's beliefs, etc. In regards to pain, injuries, certain movements and exercises being wrong and dangerous. So then, if an, if you go to see an actual physiotherapist, such as yourself, who then says. Pretty much what you said, yeah, you know, trying to get the gain adherence, trying to say, that we're going to move you into pain gradually, maybe. You know, uh was Adam Meek and says, build shit up, calm shit down. Yeah. Or, or Something along those lines. But then Mr. 5 million and, subscribers Bob on Brad, YouTube. Mate. Bob and Brad kicking off on YouTube. Bob and Brad, the, the, the trusted physiotherapist <laughs> yeah. on YouTube, has said, no, no, they've said the complete opposite, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to trust this physiotherapist must be quite difficult.
2: It's quite difficult because you do get a lot of fear avoidance, uh, kinesophobia. Yeah. And again, when it's something chronic and when people have tried things that are, you know, they've tried massage, they've tried... Ma- and again, it, it what's frustrating is is when someone's had a massage and it's provided really short-term relief and this retrospective uh, recollection of the experiences, oh, that helped. and yeah. It's mm-hmm.
1: like... It fixed me. Yeah, but- for a short period
2: (laughs) till you got home and um, (laughs) you've got all these things to unpick which is why it's so important to realise that um, there's so many factors rather than thinking this person's just not done their exercise it's what's influenced that but it's as well if if you are having people who are fear avoiding or have these feelings of fragility that's when it's really important to slowly Use these things. So it's again like graded yeah. exposure. So if someone's got back pain, we're not going to say what we know. but deadlifts are going to be like no, good for that. It's yeah. going to be let's get used to some spinal flexion first. How can we regress this and progress this appropriately if needed?
0: And the big takeaway really from that is people listening who maybe are in physio are going to potentially one day all get physio. I think is the. The need for open communication, I think, just constant dialogue, and don't, don't hold, just don't be yeah. quiet in your. If you've got like a, if you're in the clinic, don't just sit there quietly and just, list, just listen and just sit, let them tell you what you need to do and stuff. Try and open that dialogue, talk about your, your past beliefs, your past experiences. I feel, because I feel like the yep. more information you have, the easier it is for you to identify barriers and then you know how to navigate them, as opposed to if they sit there quietly and just sort of wait to be told to do a bird dog and uh, hope things are going to be better. Then I don't think that's really going to work long term.
2: And what you can see as well is. Balance there's what a uh, few people struggle with is the follow-up so it's finding a way to get that balance of getting feedback but sometimes because things are overstretched that you might not be seen for six to eight weeks because again in the nhs that's all the resources are there for so yeah there's different apps and ways of implementation so there's like online tools there's fizzy track there's loads of different things um to increase that and as well if you're unsure of the exercise in the – anything that this may be a barrier. I'm not quite sure what to do or am I doing it properly. Guidance in mm. the consultation or in the meeting.
0: Um, Tom, have you got anything you want to add, mate? Where's he gone? He just Sorry just – you dropped, he he um, dropped your what? You're <laughs> a, Sorry.
1: You're having, you're, you're, you're having a cheeky toot? You have a, yeah, you have a little, little no, baby on no, the I desk. No, no, I dropped it on the floor. God, you monster. I dropped it on the floor, that is, but it landed juiced down, so I don't, on the plug socket as well, so i <sighs> could rectify wrong. that. could have gone wrong. If I was a real professional, I would have ignored it and just let the house burn down, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Do you know what? Pretty much everything you said there mirrored what was in my head before coming onto the podcast, Mm. particularly in relation to this paper. So if I take a step back and I look at the paper first and I rush to the conclusions here, and basically concluding this paper that, you know, a lot of the adherence to the programmes is to do with basically the patient – I'm not going to say the patient, I'm going to say the person's – the person's beliefs – their past experience with physios, you know, their expectations as well. And all of that is going to come down to communication day. So how are you going to find out about the person's past experience? How are you going to find out about their current beliefs? What are you going to find out about, you know, what their expectations are? Well, you have to communicate with them. Physiotherapy and, and to an extent personal training, anything physical fitness related actually, was very biomedicalized. You know, but now obviously we've got the the biopsychosocial model. So now, rather than just looking at, well, what are we looking at here in regards to an injury or pain, we now look at the full picture of the person, which comes down to, you know, their beliefs, their experiences, what exactly has led to these beliefs as well, like their social circles, you know, is it their culture? And what, what I've heard another saying recently that's rather than treating the symptom, you're actually treating the person. Exactly. But in order to do that, you need to communicate. Mm. And do you know what? I actually remember, like, way well before I was even in this line of business. Um, when I did injure my foot years ago, I had a really bad experience with physiotherapy. But it wasn't until much later in life, when I got into this job, that I realised how bad it was. And I was basically laid down on the bed. They looked at the injury, touched it. It was a, a mega bill. You remember seeing it, didn't you? Yeah, mm, it was massive, Pretty sure yeah. you carried me around the pub. Did you at one have point. an egg
2: on your foot. Oh, more,
0: oh, and I the rest
1: is a picture like God, it was ignoring. eggplant. Egg, yeah, eggplant. It was purple. Yeah, it, was it was horrendous. Big, yeah. The physiotherapist just gave me the exercise, so he treated the symptom. What he mm. thought he was doing was treating the symptoms. He just gave me the exercise, but he gave me no communication. Yeah, didn't ask me what my expectations were. Didn't empathy ask me
2: as well. That yeah, a big no thing empathy lacking in communication is right. Um, and it's one of the the big uh, buzzwords, but empathetic communication. Is so important as well, and it that can really <laughs> positively influence outcomes
1: as so, well. On that note, on that note, Hannah, like you know, when you said earlier about being a report, you know, this guy literally just chucked a physio band at me, left me on the bed and said, Do these exercises, and he fucked okay. off. And straight away, because of that lack of empathy, mm. at was thinking, This guy's an arsehole. You're pissed you know, off. I fucking know yeah. Pete yeah. slips on the yeah, so I was so it's almost like even though I was cutting my nose to spot my face, I was like I'm not going to do these exercises now. (laughs) You know, it sounds stupid, but it's how human behaviour works, especially when you're on as much coding as I was at the time. Um, But, like, yeah, like, you, you need to have communication. And it goes the other way as well. Okay, we're talking about what the person currently believes, you know, yeah, past experiences, you know, expectations. But what about how you're actually going to change those things for that person in the future? Once again, it comes down to actually communicating with them. How are you going to help them refine their beliefs? You know, let them know because that it's okay to move.
2: Things as well is that our situation. I don't know about you, it just might be because I'm wild, but my weekly dynamic changes literally weekly. So I could have really low levels of stress and everything's easy. I'm hitting the gym, I'm staying on top of my deadlines, and life's breezy. And then I could be standing too long in a queue at Tesco on a Monday morning Human. and every, everything's all <laughs> gone wrong. And that's yeah, probably, yeah. no, but, you know, things are different uh, every week and they can influence us. Uh, what's quite interesting, I think you'll quite like, is the uh, it's the five dimensions of adherence. and That's from the World Health Organization. It's quite old, but um, still relevant. So they say that when it comes to adherence, there's condition related factors such as chronicity the severity all those kind of things um social social economic factors which is things you've touched on as well there uh, levels of education support system you've got therapy related factors which is again past experiences therapeutic relationship and you've got patient related factors which are also really big um so that can be Forgetfulness, motivation, perceived barriers—all these different things. So there's five five dimensions of adherence, and that's really quite interesting to look at.
1: Yeah, seen. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's a lot. That basically, yeah. what we're trying to say really is, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to this whole adherence piece. There's a
2: lot to it, and it's it's it also comes down to like um. I remember when I used to get frustrated with my clients because they didn't log in anything on TrueClick, yeah, and yeah. then I'd just have a chat with them, and then I'd realise that oh okay
0: yeah that's why.
2: Go. Yeah. That's why you're really stressed. So And although it's my priority to get them in the general into a true coach, it may not be their priority that week because of yeah. any number of reasons. So, mm. again, breaking things down and making things simpler, you could even have the most perfectly designed, even in terms of simplicity. I'm not talking op- optimal, but in terms of adherence, you could have the perfectly created program but a single factor could go on in their life that would affect their ability to do that, even if it was literally just... Oh, I'm going off on a tangent now. I remember um, I had one personal training client. She really struggled with physical activity. So this is outside of the gym. She was eight, she could turn up to personal training sessions, but we really struggled with her physical activity levels. And um, I would break things down into things like Five-minute walk, and I'd make it the the most easiest, breeziest thing to do, and she'd still really struggle because people are complex.
1: But once again, it comes down to, and you mentioned it earlier, it comes down to behaviour change. It's yeah, and once again, it's where communication comes down to it. And it's like, you know, you can have like the perfect program made; it could be perfectly dosed; it could be. It could be perfect, it could be on a really Gucci-looking spreadsheet as well, but at the end of the day, you are dealing with people. And it's irrelevant and,
2: if, uh, if, they, it, yeah. you know, if there's something lacking. And that's why the Combi model, it, it's not perfect, but it's, it's a good model to identify what that barrier might be, and then you can tackle the underlying issue, not just they're the fact that they're non and
1: to kind of paraphrase what you said earlier like uh, you know life isn't always going to be linear uh, pain either actually none of it's going to be linear there's going to be ups and downs as you said like there may only need to be one barrier that kind of gets in the way that throws everything off track exactly. but once again that's where you kind of take the step back and you look at it as a you, you look at it you look at the person as well funny enough an actual human being mm. rather than just a number on a spreadsheet exactly. or a client that you only see for the one hour or 45 minutes in the gym you take the step back and you say okay well why are these things happen i think as well like um i think people need to realize that it's okay to have these ups and downs because what was it we say bill you know like failure is feedback yeah yeah end of day
2: and it's it's just it's, it just all comes down to it and you can find as it, it can be quite depressing really thinking that we can do all these things but Really, and I actually found that on my health psychology uh, master's, so that was a big thing about behavior change, and that was my uh hype, area of hyper-focus at the minute, was behavior change in people, and on an individual le- level, it is very hard to make long-term, sustainable behavioral yeah. change. It because this is so complex, there's policies, governments, all these different factors that come into behavior change. Yeah. And on a one to one level, we can keep trying. Sometimes, we'll, even as a trainer or therapist ourselves, sometimes we'll sometimes we won't. But it's the initiation of keeping trying. Um, that's important. That no, didn't even make grammatical sense, but it's <laughs> keeping on trying. Uh, and that's important so just (laughs) because we know that this is a wide level and um, adherence is low and you know I can't do anything to change the way someone's been brought up to believe I can't change their social economic status but
1: yeah you've seen what you can kind of do even if it has to be kind of what you said earlier even if it has to be just a five minute walk yeah seeing what that person's capable of and then what they can build upon upon that if they're able to do that
0: exactly Guys, I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um,
1: I fucking love behaviour change, yeah. <laughs> so I've just got to throw that in
0: there. You you, I, know, I know you love it, so yeah. <laughs> I know, um, it's my favourite subject.
2: Try get hold of the behaviour change wheel. The wheel? Yeah, that's where, it, is be is where the combi there another picture you Is
0: there another picture you've drawn, is it, Anna?
2: No, I can't really draw circles. <laughs>
0: you can't draw a circle? I don't I've know. Got I the, I've got the. You could
1: do <laughs> diagrams and, you know, these Gucci, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> But you can't do a circle.
2: Do a circle. I think you draw you, a
0: circle, Hannah. I think my stick went to do a, a circle head. There. Let's have a look. Go on, let's, get, get up. let's have a look. Let's, let's, look. Like you let's
2: have a look. I've got, <laughs> I've got a massive head, you know. No hats fit me. At graduation, no yeah, it was popping off. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally stick, popping man? off. Oh, all do you know what? It's not like an oval, but it would do.
0: Oh, he's got like a Performity, yeah, that, is like, that is not a circle. To, to be
1: fair, I, I, I was dropped head. on my head as a kid, so it looks like me. you
0: is it? We've an haircut
1: without the serum.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. But,
2: um, yeah, so that yeah,
0: is beh- it. Behavior change. Hoorah! There you go. How excited?
2: Change wheel. I'll, I'll, I'll actually right. try get a hold of that book for you.
0: I mean, if you want, Maybe if you want, can you change me, your ability to draw a circle. Send, send send us a time lapse of so you trying to draw it for last like, great content. And just like yeah. spending an hour watching know. you trying to draw a circle.
2: I don't think anyone wants
1: to see that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. The internet's a weird place, Hannah. People like to watch lots of strange things.
1: It'll, it'll happen just as your battery drains or yeah. something like that. People will be like, wasting a yeah. circle,
0: fuming. God. One day. Um, well, normally we'd tell people to go and flood your DMs with. Requests for guidance, but you sound like you're very busy with your masters, hannah do, you, do you really want that? Do you want that hate? Do you want that? They, you want anyone flames?
2: can chat to me at any time because I love a distraction.
0: We love a distraction. <laughs> we don't want to be responsible <laughs> for you even a counter, masters.
2: even a counterproductive, uh, uh, counterproductive. One. I'm actually on a bit of a break at the minute, so I've got okay. about, I've got a few deadlines, but I've got a few weeks off before okay I think
0: Right in that case, then, guys, if you are if you've got a physio problem or you know you're going to have one coming up soon, you might maybe preempting a <laughs> preempting an injury. <laughs> That's what people tend to do. Um, check out the show notes; there'll be a link to Hannah's Instagram. Jump on there, smash her some DMs. Get them in the next couple of weeks because after that, she, <laughs> that
1: she, sounds terribly she, it, out. Of context, yeah, i yeah, that on, yeah.
0: like One, one step on it all within reason, please. Yeah, all within reason, yeah, yeah, Let's let's just keep it civil, guys. I know what, you know, some of you might be a bit crazy, but yeah, keep it civil. Physio only, all right? <laughs> Or maybe jujitsu. I don't know, maybe 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 you want to talk about that as well.
2: Yeah. Do you want to wrestle? No, don't, please.
0: <laughs> I <wrestle>? yeah, don't, <laughs> strictly. Don't, don't Yeah, do not ask that. Of the people there'll be some interesting DMs. Did you say a a strict
1: again, Strictly lives. business related. Yeah. yeah, business
0: related, yeah. God. Wrestling requests <laughs> inundated.
2: Yeah, none of them.
0: Yeah, none of those. Oh god. <laughs> right, um, thanks for jumping on again. It's been lovely to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, so very much I'm sure it won't be the last time. We'll find someone else. Any any anytime we see a physio paper, I'm just gonna DM you now, Hannah. Get you on. Oh, I well, not Yeah, one. you'll be our resident resident physio. What's Tom this doing? Is... Oh, Tom pulling out his little water oh, paper showing his age.
1: My, my 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 hands ain't big enough, hang on. This is the stack for this podcast. <laughs> How long is the podcast? I
0: don't think it's not this episode. Surely, I'm oh, not this episode. Oh God, I was no, not me. <laughs> I was going to say, Tom, what say. the fuck are you talking about? What just, have you seen? What have you, what have you seen? Not it's
1: either. just a massive font. Each page is a massive, <laughs> yeah, massive font. Yeah. Yeah. Three words I
2: was words like, how has he, he read that many yeah. papers? Bill like, only really asked me like two yeah. days ago.
1: Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> Made sure I used up all that printer ink before I left my job. Right. Yeah, I was going to
0: fucking say, Jesus, God. Anyway. All right, Tom. You just wait for Tom to come back. Yeah.
1: Sorry, it takes me a couple of days to stack me A <laughs> Couple yeah. of days.
0: God, you're in all them papers, mate. Have you not, have you not thought about making a fold on your desktop,
1: mate? I would, <laughs> but my, my laptop's full as well. That's the depressing thing. <laughs> your Laptop's full. It is. Bugs, it's been mate. warning me for months now. You're a oh, mine's
2: full as well. It's pre- and I've actually got a hard drive, but I think oh, that just add more complexity to it. Mm.
1: Just a treasure God. trove of you know big brain talk big break.
2: actually it's-, it's wrestling no
0: it's digital videos actually it's in videos
2: it's in instructionals <laughs> hours <laughs> I've never watched
0: well, I... let, we'll let you get away and enjoy the rest of your Thursday night yeah. Yeah. So thank you very much we'll, cheers for uh, we'll coming again, on Hannah very soon.
2: thank you for having
1: me And thank you
0: for hooking me you up with the paper you. thank
1: you very much So back alley dealings yeah
0: that's all the news this week, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that one, especially as we had a, uh, a special guest on as well. It's always nice when we have uh, reinforcements on the podcast. It also means you get to listen to someone else's voice, apart from mine and Tom's. It's always lovely. Um, this week, uh, you know, go on, Tom. Give us your best closing out call to action. No pressure, but, um, you know, I normally do a little spiel at the end. Call, call to action? You don't know what that means, do you? Call to, call to
1: action. No. no, I know a call to action. Yeah, go on. Um, I mean, look. If we ever had to call to action, oh, fuck, no, you don't. Obviously, you, it's very hard no to arm ourselves in a society that's got no firearms. So, you're probably your best bet is going to be like garden tools, right? Um, so, to, yeah, you know, call to action. I'd recommend you know, the, spear. the spear. The spear has been the main who's weapon of the since the who's, beginning who's, of time. Who's going to have a fucking spear well, in
0: their garden? Listen,
1: a shovel. You know, you go, a show. rake, yeah, yeah. a pitchfork, it's all a spear. What, a do, you think about, what do you think the bayonet is? Scythe. It's basically I think a scythe, a, scythe a scythe would be a better one, wouldn't it? No, I said spear and I'm sticking to spear. <laughs>
0: spear, right. I mean, that's all good and well, Tom. Um, you can not... do other
1: things. You can, yeah, is not you really can a... smelt down polystyrene into, you know, f- fuel, make napalm. Um, Please don't do that. If, if you live in a two-tier house, destroy your staircase. Oh, do you ever, read, that, you ever read the zombie book
0: about that? Was it Max, Max Brooks? Yep. yeah.
1: And it's always sticks with me. Always, that's always stuck, that's always uh, as well. Things?
0: Destroy staircase, zombie invasion, destroy staircase.
1: The thing is, like you can you can guard the top of a staircase yeah. really well once it's destroyed. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But eventually they're gonna start chucking grenades in. So what you want to do to counteract that is you're then gonna want to put, you know, lines of chicken wire, gridded chicken wire across the opening. Now the only problem is, is that the Russians encountered that with the Germans in World War II so what they started doing was because their grenades were bouncing off the chicken wire they would attach fishing hooks to their grenades so it attached to the chicken wire and still blow through so you're going to have to be prepared to, for
0: that well thanks for the history lessons Tom. yeah I mean if you're still with us if you're still with us and you managed to endure Tom's fucking Tom's call to action which was not a call to action I thought you said you know what a call to action was yeah, call to action, no. like a call of arms, in it. Call to arms. Yeah, you know what I fucking meant, Tom. Is I first
1: got the whole idea of these patreons was you know trying what, to arm them, and Societal. for our <laughs>
0: own uses. <laughs> our um, you know. Well, I mean, pff. so there's Tom's call to action. There's not much use for you there at all, really. I'm not even going to try and add anything onto that. So, pff. if you're a long time listener, a long time, long term listener, you know what the call to action normally is. Um, so you probably already have done it. Um, so, build this a one, moat this is around your house. <laughs> there we go. Fuck, what I normally say. Guys, if you're listening after this podcast, go and build a moat. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> Pleasure as always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Goodbye.